Good morning, and peace be with you, and happy 245th Independence Day. That's, amen, that's, uh, that's by God's grace, and uh, we, may we celebrate uh, uh, safely and sanely. I'm sure everybody in this room is going to be careful as they light off their explosives today and all of that. No, you know, where's Ed? <laughs> he, he's out getting more, huh? <laughs> oh, he's getting donuts. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, this is quite a, a blessing that this country is experiencing this experiment, as they say, of the United States of America. And it is because of the sacrifices by so many that we are able to come together in a house of worship like this today without fear of persecution. And that is something that personally your pastor uh, takes for granted, and I need to be reminded every once in a while, and in the, I, I am, but um, today I want to focus personally myself just on being grateful for the provision uh, that came at a cost, at a cost to so many. So without further ado, I'd like to let you take a look at your bulletin here and then highlight just a couple of things. Mission Sunday this month, Every month we take up a collection, and what we are doing is uh, inviting members to make suggestions on charities, uh, ministries that are near and dear to their hearts. And this month is the Orange County Care Connection Ministry at Grace Lutheran Church. This is an adult daycare program for seniors who have Alzheimer's. And I have been uh, privileged to interact with the good people over at Grace uh, one uh, Wednesday a month over the last two years. It took a hiatus because of the COVID. But a lot of you that I know from Grace, we met over there. And um, what a program. Uh, from the people that are serving those uh, that are participating in it to the participants. It is a blessing. And so we have an opportunity to help them. My understanding is that they are in need uh, critically of finances. So we would love to, to be a part of that. And from my lips to God's ear, and if you're listening, Daddy, boy, I would love to have a ministry like that here. So watch out because I just asked him, but uh, I, that is such a, a precious ministry to me. And um, if there's any way um, that you, on your heart, you could uh, give to that, I would appreciate that. And so would the people there. 60 years of blessings. We're going to be celebrating November 6th. I know it seems like a long ways away, but those things don't blink. It'll be here. Sit and be fit. On Tuesdays, we have a lot of people coming between 10 and 10 or more people every Tuesday. So uh, come and uh, we're going to continue with that. 
uh, Tuesday Bible study. We're going to be talking about studying God's Word in uh, the sermon today. So there's an opportunity Tuesdays at noon. And then also uh, men's Bible study on Saturday mornings. And then the last but not least is we have council meeting every second Saturday of the month. And our council meeting is coming up this next Saturday. You are invited to come and to uh, participate if you'd like. So that's it. Tim, would you lead us?
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Then 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain, has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, your almighty power is made known chiefly in showing mercy. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we may be called to repentance and made partakers of your heavenly treasures through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, and happy 4th of July. <laughs> this reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and can be found on page 1287 in the Pew Bible. Uh, while Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem that the city would soon fall to the Babylonians, Ezekiel was giving the same message to the captives that were already in Babylon. Here we read of Ezekiel's vision from God. Ezekiel 2, 1 through 5. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. We will read Psalm 30 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 123. 
is it 30 or 123? Oh, she's got it miswritten. Okay, Psalm 123. I lift up my eyes to you. To you, you sit enthroned in heaven. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. The next reading is taken from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And this can be found on page 1806 in the Pew Bible. In this uh, verse, Paul tells us about his near-death experience to show that he has been uniquely touched by God. The thorn is most likely some physical ailment that reminded him that he must be humble in dealing with God. 2 Corinthians 12, 1-10 I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to the paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted about what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go you have the words of eternal life hallelujah the holy gospel according to saint mark from the sixth chapter glory to you O lord our gospel this morning indeed is mark six 
verses 1 through 13, and can be found on page 1560 of your Pew Bible. Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. That Jesus went around teaching from the village, from village to village, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a toast testimony against them. And they went out and they preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Last week, we, uh, we looked at Jesus as a prophet. As a prophet that performs miracles. And this week, we see Jesus displaying or experiencing another characteristic of the office of prophet. And that characteristic is one of rejection. One of the really horrible, sorrow-filled bummers in the history of Israel is their inability 
to listen to the prophets. The Lord, our God, our Father in heaven, sent prophet after prophet after prophet. First to the northern kingdom of Israel. Those prophets were Elisha, Elijah, Amos, and Hosea. And then he sent more prophets down to the southern kingdom of Judah. Prophets that were Micah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And every word that they said came true. The truth is, the people in general did not believe them. The prophets proclaimed God's word of salvation. And most of the time, most of the time, no one was interested. Eventually, Assyria carried the northern kingdom of Israel into slavery, and a few hundred years later, Nebuchadnezzar carried the southern kingdom of Judah into Babylon. They were warned. They didn't listen. Now, after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem, there were a few people that were still left behind in the land. And these people came to Jeremiah, and they said to him in Jeremiah 42, verses 5 through 6, they said this, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word all of the word which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. The people's words, they sounded pretty good. And God gave an answer to Jeremiah. And here is part of that answer. Jeremiah 42. He said this. If you will remain in this land... If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you, he promised, and not pluck you up. For God said, for I relent of the disaster that I did to you. But if you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine of which you are afraid shall follow you close all the way to Egypt, and there you shall die. So God spoke through his prophet Jeremiah and said, <laughs> I know you want to go to Egypt for protection. 
And he says, don't do that. Stay where you are, and you will be safe. And if you go to Egypt, you will die. He told them that. Can you guess what the people did? They went to Egypt. And they trusted the protection of Egypt more than they trusted the protection of God. Guess what happened next? I'm going to tell you. Now that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed Jerusalem and he had checked that off of his Franklin Day Planner or his, you know, day planner, the next thing he set his mind on his to-do list was to conquer Egypt. Huh. And so the remnant in Judah left a land that would have been ignored by Nebuchadnezzar, probably for a generation. This people went straight to the battle between Egypt and Babylon. And everyone said that they would do whatever God said. But as soon as God's answer was not what they expected or not what they wanted, they rejected it. Do you know anyone like that? I do every time I look in the mirror. So the same thing happened that we read today to Jesus when he went to his hometown of Nazareth. Look, we don't know for sure how many times Jesus tried to teach in his hometown during his ministry. And we do know this, that every time the Bible tells us of his ministry in Nazareth, it doesn't go well. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 4, uh, verses 16 to 30, it indicates that the people of Nazareth, they tried to kill him. And on one of his attempts, well, that was during one of his attempts to bring the good news to his neighbors in Nazareth. Have you ever wondered this? I've wondered this. Why the people in Nazareth rejected Jesus? Why? I mean, he was popular everywhere that he went. And people brought the sick, and they brought the lame, and they brought the unclean, and even the dead, and Jesus healed them all. You would think that the Nazareth city officials, you know, their council, city council, they'd want to give him a key to the city, right? Instead, he gets abuse. Instead of them being proud of a local boy that made good, they ask, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the, car, the carpenter, the son of Mary? His parents weren't married. Who is this guy? And his sisters, they're here with us? And they took offense to him. They took offense to Jesus. They were so offended that only a few people brought sick 
and injured people for healing so that he could do a mighty work there. And he could do no further mighty works except to lay his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. That's sad. He couldn't do the mighty works there because of their unbelief. They were beseeching God, but they didn't want what God was sending them. Save me. Here's Jesus. I don't want Jesus. Sound familiar? I said, I used to wonder why the people reacted the way they did. I used to. But as a pastor now, I got a pretty good sense from personal experience and then the experience of my pastor brothers as to why people react. How could they do that? How could they react that way? Because I have and my brothers have and some of you have had people react to the good gospel news of Jesus Christ not with, oh boy, thank you, but the exact opposite. I haven't had anyone throw rocks at me yet or run me out of town, but it's easy to see for me and for my brothers as to how and why the people did what they did. Many of my brothers have suffered to some degree or another because they insisted on being faithful to the teachings of God's word. Crazy as it sounds, there are people who resent when a pastor encourages them to study the Bible. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So who would ever expect a pastor to receive criticism for encouraging his people to study God's word. Weird, huh? But it happens. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes people will say, I don't feel like I'm being fed at my church. Who would ever expect a pastor to receive criticism for teaching God's word too thoroughly or too deeply. You would think that people whose eternity lies in the hands of Jesus Christ would appreciate a pastor who wanted them to know as much about Jesus as possible. And even so, pastor here complains when a Bible class doesn't go the way that they think it should. The first six letters in Christian spell Christ. And you would think that Christians would want Christ at the center of everything that they do. You would think that they would want to learn more and more about who Christ is and how he paid for their sins on the cross. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Yeah, that's where I got it. Paul said it. We proclaim Christ and him crucified. But in spite of this, there are some who call themselves Christians who become very angry when you suggest that Christ should be the center of all that we do. The fact is that we are not much different from those people in Nazareth. And the message that Jesus has for us is still offensive to many, even some who claim to be Christians. It is sad that many who call themselves Christians are offended by the very teachings of the Christ they claim to worship. And the fact of the matter is that faithful people who share God's message regularly experience controversy and opposition. People don't always like what God has to say. And this leads to arguments, and it leads to conflict. It leads to family members not ever talking to another family member again because they merely mentioned the saving grace that is offered by Jesus. It happens. Some of you have experienced it. So as long as we must live in the sinful world, controversy and opposition will always be part of our Christian life. Okay, so here's some good news. Are you ready for that? Yeah. In spite of the world's opposition, Jesus does not stop offering his gifts. He continued to send his disciples out to prepare the way for his ministry, even though he knew that they would experience opposition. He gave them the authority to bless those who received them and the authority to shake the dust off their feet against those who did not accept them. The Lord did not withhold his gifts just because his disciples would experience rejection. Jesus still offers those gifts today. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die for nice people. He died for sinners. And since the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that means he died for everybody. If we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? He died for those who rejected him in Nazareth, and he died for those who still reject him today. And he offers his gifts to all, even those who reject him time and time again. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, and he wants you to know about him. And he has given the church the command to teach the nations to hold fast to all the things that he taught. We should take advantage of this command. 
We should learn about the Christ who loves you and gave himself into death for you. We should learn about the Savior who delights in giving you the things that are best for you. We should learn about the Lord who rose from the dead in order to give you the promise of eternal life. God's words are divisive. They just are. The Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to to write this. The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The division is between those who are faithful to Christ's teachings and those who reject them. Jesus faced opposition in Nazareth and his hometown because the people rejected God's word. And eventually the people who rejected God's word arranged to have him nailed to the cross. And with his death on the cross, he reconciled us to God. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us life. And we are among those who say of Jesus, blessed is he who comes In the name of the Lord. And the moment that we say that, the moment we say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As soon as we say that, somebody's going to be mad. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And grace. 
stand if you're able. Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord and God Almighty, we gather this morning to praise your holy name as Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through another week of uncertainty, fear for our nation's future, and worry about viruses and other diseases. Thank you for constantly reminding us that we need not fear because you are in control of the world, 
even where Satan seems to rule. Thank you for causing your word and the constant failures of human wisdom to be written down in Holy Scripture for our benefit, especially since we can't seem to remember the lessons you have taught us since Adam and Eve first walked the earth. Thank you for tolerating our stubbornness, relentless disregard for your directions in our lives, and petulant disrespect for you, the creator of the universe. Heavenly Father, today we celebrate our nation's independence from an oppressive government 245 years ago. Because of your great mercy and guidance, our founding fathers crafted a national constitution to guide our governance and a Bill of Rights that established our many freedoms that are unlike and unmatched by any other people on earth. Though many lives were lost establishing our freedom and many more lost since then protecting our freedoms, you have always surrounded us with your presence. We hope and pray that you will continue to stand by our nation and protect us from those who would destroy us, whether inside or outside our borders. Lord, many of us, but certainly not enough of us, realize that because of our constant sin against you, our greed for power and material possessions, that history repeats itself as it appears to be happening in our present times. We know that the people of Judah and the city of Jerusalem became prosperous and self-absorbed nearly 3,000 years ago, deciding that you were no longer necessary in their daily lives. Your discipline was slow coming, but terrible in its effect. Likewise, many of our elected leaders today have worked tirelessly to remove your name and precepts from our courts, our schools, and our way of life. Holy Father, their foolishness has led to chaos, murder, and mayhem all around us. Those of us who are faithful plead for your continued patience in withholding your discipline against our nation, even though we certainly deserve it. Please guide our citizens to peacefully rid our government of those people whom we have foolishly elected who seek to destroy our way of life. Holy Father, regardless of our differences, help us see each other as brothers and sisters created by you and in your image rather than as enemies to destroy or control. Lord Almighty, we need and seek your divine intervention in the conduct of our citizens. We're truly lost without you and can't seem to find our way. Lord, you know we face tragedy every day. We ask you for your mercy on those victims of an apartment collapse in South Florida and protection for all the emergency services personnel risking their lives to find survivors or the remains of those who perished. We also ask, Holy Spirit, for your comforting hand on those family members who grieve the loss of loved ones and the reassurance that our Heavenly Father knows and loves each person in his creation. We pray for the safety of our military members, police and firefighters. Please continue to shield all of them from harm while serving others. God Almighty, we pray for a solution to the various viruses and diseases threatening our world. Please guide us towards a solution to the harm being imposed on the world's population. Also, we pray for the protection of those facing the destruction of severe weather, drought, fire, and famine. The world you created is hurting, and we don't know how to fix it, so we bow our heads in humility to you and seek your word to save all you have created. 
Thank you, Holy Father, for protecting those who travel and take vacations from the troubles of our daily lives. Please cause their souls to be refreshed. Lord, thank you for our church family and our pastor who preaches your law and saving grace in the Holy Scripture. We pray for the safety of those who worship here and your protective embrace of all faithful wherever they are. We also give thanks for healing those among us who are ill or suffering. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for providing encouragement in our hearts when we face very difficult circumstances in our lives, whether medical, financial, or hopelessness and despair. Thank you for sending others to provide comfort and petitioning our Father on our behalf. Heavenly Father, we thank your Holy Spirit for our faith in your saving Son, Jesus. We trust in our heavenly future with him and can find peace within our faith, but you know our anxiety and fear during our time on earth. Please show us your almighty presence in our lives so that our fears turn to joy and contentment in the security you provide. Dear God Almighty, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. Please give us patience to await your answers when your timing is perfect. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please stand if you're able? Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death in the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious, triumphant coming again. Let us pray now together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This sacrament is for all who believe, all who confess Christ as their Lord and Savior. This sacrament is for you. May it give you and impart on you his grace, his peace, and his joy. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending song this morning is, I could sing of your love forever.
your love. 